the screensaver on our laptop scrolls through the photos that are on the laptop, and many of them are our grandchildren. And I just wonder, how have they gotten so big so fast? You know, time goes by much too fast. I mean, it's the middle of April already. 2022 is almost one-third done, and it seems like it just started. You know, I'm working on a video for our grandkids. It's going to have pictures and history and stories that I can tell. Uh, I've been working on this for several years, and hopefully here soon I can actually put it together. But it's going to contain some things that I don't know as I've even shared with Diane. But I don't know when I'll take my last breath. So maybe I better get busy. You know, we're blessed to have seven of our grandchildren living within just a few minutes of us and two more uh, just a little over three hours away in, in Texas. So they've gotten to know me better than they did two years ago. Uh, but I hope my greatest legacy is my life in Christ. Not the time that I spent in religious stuff. Not the time that I spent serving churches in different places. <clears throat> but it's hopefully times when I look like Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because we only get one chance to make a first impression but we get a lot of chances to make a lasting impression. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks that you're with us every moment of every day. And when we're standing in church and singing praises to you, when we're reading your word, Lord, when we're driving down the road, you're with us when we're sleeping, you're with us when or maybe doing or saying some things that we shouldn't be. Uh, so, Lord, we just praise you that you're always there. You're always the witness of everything that we do. So, Lord, help us to be a better witness to you and a better witness to the world. So, Lord, as we look at your word and uh, look at some familiar uh, scriptures, familiar passages, Lord, help us to look for the message that you have for us. And Lord, that you would just open our eyes, our minds, our hearts, and let the Holy Spirit work. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's some things in the Bible that make me, anyways, I don't know about you, make me wonder, you know, what did you know, Paul mean by that, or what did Moses mean by that, or what did Jesus mean by that? Or, you know, why did this get included in Scripture? You know, it doesn't seem to to fit the passage it's in. It doesn't seem like it fits, you know, what's happening at that time. Uh, you know, Diane and I are going through the Bible in a year, and Right now we're in First Chronicles, and there's days, <laughs> chapter after chapter, of the the sons of or this person. You know, these were their sons, and these were the sons of their sons, and and all. And 
you know, you and I might wonder, is this really necessary? Is it really important? My answer to that question is, it must be, or God would have told Ezra, believed to be the writer of that book, uh, I, you know, Ezra, I, I really don't think you need to include all that, okay? Nobody in 50 years or 500 years or 3,000 years or whatever is really going to think that that's necessary, and they're just, a lot of them going to skip over it when they come to it. And there's maybe several other scriptures that we could question. Like, we've got any right to question the author. Not just meaning Paul or Matthew or Moses, but meaning God. He is uh, in, indeed the author of it all. So, I'm going to look at some familiar passages and, and see what we can see. Now, Jesus and his disciples had been in Jericho. That's about 12 miles from Jerusalem. Now, Mark 11.1 1 says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to um, uh, Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. So they were about a mile from Jerusalem. Now, I, I learned something new, okay? Praise the Lord. Because it's not really pronounced Bethpage. It's the way I've always pronounced it, the way I've always heard it. Uh, but it's pronounced Beth, Bethphage or Bethphage. Uh, and that makes sense because there's that PH in there, which I don't know why that sounds like an F anyways. But, so let's take a look at the whole passage. Forget about Beth Page. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 3. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, sounds French, doesn't it? Uh, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Well, Mark and Luke added another line to what Mark tells us, because they both say you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Okay, now John doesn't mention the, the, the donkey part uh, at all. You know, why why a donkey? We might wonder, why not a horse? Why not a camel? But another good question is, you know, why was it important, you know, that this donkey had never been ridden before? Well, a donkey was seen as a sign of humility and peace, and most important, it was seen as a sign of Davidic royalty. Now, Mark 11.2 adds something to the equation that the others didn't. Jesus is telling the two disciples, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there 
one which no one has ever ridden. Uh, okay, so what's so significant about that part that no one has ever ridden? Well, unused animals were regarded as largely seen as suitable for religious occasions. Now, I shouldn't admit my ignorance, but you know I'm really learning a lot from this message, uh, things that I wasn't aware of before. Well, so then there's a question why it is important that we know how they came to possess the donkey. Okay, well, only Matthew tells us this in 21, 4, and 5. It says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Why did Matthew include this and none of the other gospel writers? Well, one reason is, excuse me, <coughs> Matthew was writing primarily to Jewish recipients. And so what's so important about that? Well, Matthew wanted to make the connection between Jesus and the prophet Zechariah. So that would mean something to his readers. It wouldn't mean anything to a Gentile that was reading it, but it would to the believer, to the Jews. So we've got Jesus headed to Jerusalem, or do we? We got the donkey and the colt, and we got Jesus. Well, what else is needed? Well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us the same thing. And this is how Matthew puts it in 21, 6, and 7. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. But they needed a saddle. Okay, you know, they weren't going to just have Jesus sit on the donkey. They needed a saddle. So they took off their cloaks, put them on the donkey for Jesus to ride on. When I thought about this, it reminded me of the chorus of a Stephen Curtis Chapman song, The Great Adventure. It says, saddle up your horses. We've got a trail to blaze through the wild blue yonder of God's amazing grace. Let's follow our leader into the glorious unknown. Life is like no other. This is a great adventure. And Jesus was going into the great adventure uh, because he knew what was coming up in the days that lay ahead for him. So and I'm not meaning to make light of what was happening this day, but you know, Jesus really knew what a busy week was going to be there before him. And he had spent three years preparing for what he was about to encounter. So now Jesus is saddled up and ready to ride into Jerusalem. And the journey begins. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell pretty much the same story. Luke 19.36 says, As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Now Matthew and Mark add this, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Now, Matthew and Mark lose, use 
two different Greek words meaning the same thing. Uh, and John, he has a whole different story. In John 12, beginning in verse 12, he says, The next day the great crowd had come for the festival that heard Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him. Two things. One, John doesn't mention the disciples getting the colt or the donkey. And secondly, he's the only one that says that the crowd used palm branches, and he doesn't mention coats. So John has the donkey after the people greeted Jesus. Now, if we listen to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it should maybe be called Coat Sunday instead of Palm Sunday. I mean, they had branches of some kind, but it talks about them laying the coats out for the donkey, for Jesus to walk on to enter the city. So whatever the sequence of events, Jesus is now making his way into the city, into Jerusalem. All four Gospels have the crowd shouting similar things concerning Jesus. So I'll use Luke's take on what happened. Uh, Luke 19, 37, 38. It says, When Jesus came near the place where the road went down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in, in heaven and glory in the highest. Okay, now, only Luke refers to these revelers as disciples. Uh, the other Gospels just say a crowd or others. Now, Luke then points out something that none of the other Gospel writers did. Uh, in 19, beginning in verse 39, it says, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The message puts it like this in those two verses. Some of the Pharisees told of the, from the crowd told him, Teacher, get your disciples under control. But Jesus said, if they keep quiet, the stones would do it for them, shouting praise. You know, and I, I just hear Jesus kind of laughing at the Pharisees and the, the fact that they were uh, trying to rebuke what was happening or thinking that he should. Well, Luke gives us something that none of the other gospel writers do, uh, beginning in verse 41. It says, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God coming to you. Okay, this is, of course, debated by all these scholars. And, you know, what, what was Jesus meaning? 
uh, he could have meant, you know, foreseeing the temple being destroyed in 70 AD, or knowing that the Arabs were going to conquer the Israelites in 637 AD, or the Muslims building the Dome of the Rock. So this is one of those, someday I'll know, or it's really not going to matter things that we sometimes have when we read Scripture. One thing we do know, this was only the second time we read of Jesus weeping, the other time being at the grave of his friend Lazarus. So he was obviously moved by what he knew the future held for the Israelites. Not a whole lot of good over the years to come, including now. So John's gospel has some things happening at a different time or in a different way from what we see in the synoptic gospels. So now Jesus has made his way into Jerusalem, and this is where Mark is different. Matthew and Luke have Jesus going to the temple after he enters Jerusalem. Okay, Matthew 12, excuse me, 21, 12, and 13. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. Okay, and this he was quoting Isaiah and Jeremiah. Now, Here's how Mark puts this in verse 11, 11, in the beginning of verse 12. It says, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went to Bethany with the twelve. And then it says in verse 12, the next day. Okay, so then skipping to verse 15, it says the next day. We put those together. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers. Now, the rest of the verses tell us what we heard in Matthew and coincides with what Luke says. Okay, well, then Matthew 21 continues in verse 14. It says, The blind came to him at the temple, and he healed them. When the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him. Yes, he replied. Have you ever read from the lips of the children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. Okay, so that was Palm Sunday in Matthew. Well, there's two important things that happened after this, regardless of when Jesus was healing. Uh, the first thing is that Jesus' authority was now being questioned by those who felt threatened by him. The three writers almost are word for word in this, uh, and it was probably the day after Palm Sunday. And this is what Matthew 
21 says, beginning in verse 23, Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked him. And who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from human origin? Well, they discussed it among themselves and said, If we say from heaven, he will ask, Then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the people, for they hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. Then he said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. Well, the second important thing out of this is because he knew that the leaders were becoming more anxious to arrest him and looking for any way that that could possibly happen. Now, in going from one gospel to another, Am I saying one or more of the gospel writers got it right and the others were wrong? Not in the least. You know, if myself and three others saw an incident happening and months or years later we were each going to write about it without consulting the others, our stories wouldn't match. You know, not word for word. But the thing to remember is we could all be right and what we saw, and how we interpreted things. Where were all those people that on Palm Sunday were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Blessed is the coming King of our father David. Where were these people later in the week? What happened to them? You know, what was the change that was about to come about? Well, stay tuned for the next podcast. I want to share with you the words from a song that uh, is in the United Methodist Hymnal. It's called Mantos Iapalmas, or Filled with Excitement. And the verses go like this. Filled with excitement, all the happy throng Spread, spread coats and branches on the city streets. There in the distance they began to see, riding on a donkey comes the Son of God. Verse 2, As in that entrance to Jerusalem, we sing hosannas to Christ our King, to the living Savior who still calls today, asking us to follow him with love and faith. And the the refrain, the chorus goes like this. From every corner, a thousand voices sing praises to him who comes in the name of God. With one great shout of acclamation loud, triumphant songs break forth. Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. The people on that day recognized who Jesus was. There were probably some people that really had no idea, but just kind of got caught up in things, and they were shouting praises along with the rest. 
the ones that had seen the healings and heard the teachings, maybe had been healed themselves. And, you know, were convinced that Jesus was who he said he was, the Messiah. But for others, you know, they, they weren't too sure what was going on, but they thought they'd jump in and shout along with the others. Maybe that's the way it kind of happens today sometimes. Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks for your word and how we know it's true. And Lord, when it, one writer may conflict with another on a certain incident, Lord, that's okay because we know that they both could very well be right in what they say. So Father, just uh, help us to to glean from your word what we need to and to, to know that it's true. And Lord, as believers, we we sometimes read a passage and just kind of shake our heads and not too sure what that meant or where it was going. But Lord, you put it there for a purpose. And to anyone that may be listening, I know that uh, with Easter coming, a lot of times there's people that uh, reach out for uh, religious things, uh, go to church when they haven't gone to church in a long time, uh, and, and maybe listening today to this message. So, Father, let them know that the things that they may read in Scripture, that they're not conflicting, that, Lord, they're coinciding with one another, and uh, what your Word says is true. But it's hard for them to take this in, hard to believe when they don't believe. So Lord, let them know that today is a day that they need to turn their lives over to Christ and to start with a new beginning. Uh, and so Lord, let them pray a prayer like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for Jesus who died on the cross for my sins and rose to new life. Lord, thank you for forgiving me and giving me the opportunity to have that new life myself, that I can spend eternity with you. Lord, help me to learn more about you and to learn to love others like you want us to. So, Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>